From the Esquire Lounge in downtown Champaign, it's the second hour of Sports Talk here on News Talk 1493.9 FM, WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Featuring the News Gazette sports writers, Matt Daniels, Bob Ospison, and Scott Ritchie, delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Now, live from the Esquire Lounge on Walnut Street in downtown Champaign, here are the News Gazette sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to hour number two of Monday Night Sports Talk. We're here until 6 o'clock. Plenty to talk about. Illinois football up to number 17 in the country. Illinois basketball, some news there. We'll talk about that uh, scrimmage yesterday in St. Louis, which includes an injury to a key guy. And uh, Luke Goody, who is out for a while with a broken bone on his foot. We'll talk more about that. The high school football playoffs getting set to begin. But right out of the gate, we're going to talk some Illinois volleyball. Say hi to Chris Thomas, head coach of the Fighting Illini. In directly from practice, right? Directly from practice, here I am, yeah. Matt Daniels, by the way, not here tonight. He's got, uh, he's on special assignment, we'll call it. And uh, uh, so we'll get along without Matt tonight. We'll miss him, though. But uh, a whirlwind, you had a, uh, a nice turnout, certainly a great turnout the other night against Nebraska. And back to practice today, and we appreciate you taking time to join us. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, always appreciate being here and, and talking with you guys, and uh, yeah, let's talk some volleyball here. Talk about uh, Stuff the Huff. That's yeah, a- Stuff Huff is great. Uh, you know, I think it helps when Nebraska comes into town, of course. They always travel well, but uh, so do we. We're used to those environments, and we want to we have that environment no matter if it's Stuff Huff night or, or whatnot. So, um, you know, it's great sold-out crowd, uh, lots of energy, uh, but I think we've had good energy all year. we got the new scoreboard up. Uh, on the end zone there, and it's it's been great. Do you find you mentioned that Nebraska travels well? Do you find that uh, the opponents in the Big Ten uh, do uh, bring a lot of fans with them? Yeah, I think so. I think you know, for a lot of times you've got uh, players that are from Illinois, or you know, you've got surrounding areas that they're from, and it's with Champagne's pretty easy to get to. So I think whenever we we play at home, no matter if it's Nebraska or someone else, you still get you know a handful of crowd that uh, you know family members and friends from the area and whatnot, and uh, again, it's always good. It's, I think it's always a positive when you're packing the gym, whether it's your home team or you got some away fans as well. Well, I've been asked to promote our latest at home in Central Illinois magazine. Uh, since you're here, because your family is on the cover, so I'll give you this cover. Yeah, yeah, but thanks. <laughs> since uh, you do call your new home, um, outside of Muhammad, your forever home, is Illinois volleyball your forever job? Yeah, as long as they'll have me. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's it's we always work in uh, five-year contract increments. I just re-signed this last uh, last season, and so uh, it was a great first five years, and we're looking forward to another great five, and hopefully five more after that, and, and more and more, and as we move forward. But uh, always enjoyed, you know, coming to things like these. Everyone's very passionate about Illinois sports, not just volleyball, but all the sports, as we see by you know the other sports that are going on right now. And uh, yeah, we we built our forever home, so. We hope they'll have us. We hope to uh, keep. We know that doesn't mean we, we just get to be here. We got to keep doing well, and uh, we hope to continue to do that. 
We mentioned the Nebraska match this weekend. They moved to number one in the country uh, today, and it doesn't get any easier. You've got another ranked team coming in on Wednesday of Penn State, and then just kind of more and more after that. It's just typical Big Ten, but what what's this stretch of the season mean for the team? Yeah, well, you know, we've we've been banged up all season. Uh, that's been the difficult part for us to try to adjust just to whatever lineup that we've that we've got going on. And in a lot of cases, it's it's meant we haven't had a lot of experience in those positions. And we knew it was going to be a little bit of a year where we've got some inexperience in general. Um, but to always constantly flip around the lineup, it gets a little bit tough um, because you're trying to do it not just in practice but also in pressured moments. And so, um, you know, we've been seeing a lot, of good, a lot of good plays. I know sometimes it's tough to see that when you're seeing the results uh, or not seeing the results in that, in that regard. But, you know, I can, I can look to any, you know, five-point sequence in film and say, hey, that looks pretty good. And, I thought our game against Nebraska, I thought we played pretty good, and the, their staff told me that afterwards, And but they're a good team. They're number one right now. I, I voted them there this weekend, and and uh, I think I think they're playing like it too. So uh, we we got to play better. we gotta, we got to do, uh, you know, put together a few more points overall. But even if we're losing in three or losing in four or five, whatever it's been, I mean, we're, we're in the set usually. And, and uh, we, as we tell the team, we'd rather be there than not be there. And, and uh, we just got to make sure we just keep moving forward with who we got and, and keep improving. Coach, a couple of weeks ago, Illinois said we got a big announcement coming. And I, like an idiot, jumped the conclusion that you're going to get a new home. Uh, where are you at with that? Is there any talk about that now? Is that just on the way back burner? Tell me where, where you are. You know as much as I do. So. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I know they're uh, consistently looking at to advance spaces as best as they can and, you know, happy for, for wrestling. Right. Found a, a place that they can train in sure. to call home and. Uh, you know, in some ways, it, it alleviates stuff for us because we get huff more to ourselves than we okay. we current uh, than we did before when when wrestling was in there. Um, but we always look for upgrading spaces. And if you've been to the gym this year, you've seen that scoreboard that take you know seems to take up the whole wall. And I think that's been a great addition. And you know, we continue to look forward to any improvements or advancements too. But as I tell recruits when they come here, it's like we're not a, we're not a sport that when you turn pro, you all of a sudden have the flashy stuff. It's it's what you have here. At Huff or you know any place I've worked at some other places that that don't have any of the stuff that we have here, it's still a better situation than when you do when you go play overseas. I can show you pictures of Jordan Poulter sitting in her tiny metal locker in Italy, you know that they share with 25 other teams, and that's how it works over there. So, you know I I always want to stay. You want to keep up with the Jones, right. you know more or less. But at the same time, it's also one of those things. Um, that becomes like, well, if that's what you're really concerned about, then I'm not sure you're coming to the, this place for the right reason. How much so. of an edge do it, does a program at the great facility? I mean, I'm not saying this isn't a great facility, but the place that was newer. Yeah. Is that how much does that help? In yeah, your I, I mean, it, it doesn't hurt. I mean, doesn't I'm going to okay. say that, but I, again, I, I just kind of go back to you know, it's a double-edged sword. Where if, let's say you upgrade this facility or whatever it may be, and all of a sudden, you know, you got to do that to stay within the recruiting conversation right. with a lot of other programs at the same time you want to make sure that you're getting the right the right person and the right care they're not coming because you know you've got a uh a, a massage chair in your locker room I mean, right that's nice uh you, good, you know yeah, yeah but for I, the you coaches know, too yeah exactly yeah, yeah. exactly uh, you know be nice to to have some of those things but at the same time it's not it's something you know again i go back to when i played and you know i played men's volleyball obviously and we had nothing. We get five T-shirts in the year and a pair of shoes, and say, "Hey, go on your way and have a good time." You know, so it's it's one of those things where, yeah, we got we got to keep up to to stay competitive with the conference. At the same time, we try to tell recruits that it's not all about that right. as well. 
on the uh, recruiting and injury front a little bit, on, in the last calendar you've had a couple of players that um, opted to medically retire, Ellie Holtzman and Maddie Weddington. How does that situation sort of maybe change your roster building plan? Yeah, that's, that's a tough uh, call when you get that because, you know, when they medically retire, they for sure can't play anymore. It's just once they, they give that designation, they can no longer step back on the floor. Um, they can still be on the sidelines if they wish. They can still help manage the team and whatnot. But uh, when they do that, it just means they're finished with their career. And you're not always – you don't think about that when you're, when you're recruiting them. You know, uh, you know we recruited them at a, at a young age, and then they came to us with kind of an injury that they got between you know, committing us and coming to us, um, you know, ones that seemed like we could, that, that we could help them with. Uh, but it just wasn't the case. And so then that's when you look to the transfer portal – um, and try to fill those gaps and try to try to add that depth. So, yeah, w- what we're seeing now is we're a little bit a little bit short on a few positions, and uh, you know it's it's not a great year to be short on a few positions when we've had some injuries that we've taken during the year too. So, just a part of the game. Uh, you know, this is probably the the only year that gets off balance, and we get to uh, not say reload, but we get to balance out just a little bit more in next year and years beyond. Well, injuries are never an excuse, but they're no. always a fact of life. Yeah. Right? you got to deal with them. How do you think you, your, your team has reacted? I, I think they're reacting great. And, again, I know it's not shown in the results, but it's like you're, you're taking someone, like, by six rotation outside, which is a hard position to get to in general. My setter who's I brought here to set is playing six rotation outside, and that's a special talent that she, had, that she has that she's able to do both. Um, I've got a, a, an opposite in Kayla Burbage who came here. She wants to play six rotation outside, and, or is opposite, and she is now. And so she's been doing that for the past five games or so, six games. And I thought this last game against Nebraska was her best in that position. So she hits in the front row and the back row, takes some ball control um, you know, up uh, as well. She's never played in the back row before. And now I'm going to say, hey, go do it against the best hitters in the country. And so it's, it's a learning curve, and it's a steep one, but uh, you know she's – She's doing the best she can, and she's improving every game. So I don't just look at the wins and losses. If, if all, that's all we did, a lot of coaches would be upset you know, constantly. we got to look at, are we making an improvement from game one to game two? Is the team doing better overall from when, this lineup to the next lineup? And we got to just keep going moving forward. And like Scott said, you know, it's, it's tough to say, okay, we're, now you got to do it against number three tonight. Now you got to do it against number 12 tonight. And some of these teams that have had lots of experience uh, uh, either – you know, health-wise, or they just have a lot of experience together uh, playing there for a while. So I think we're doing a good job. Um, I like to be doing better. I, you know, I, I've always heard the best quote for a, co- a coach is we're perpetually dissatisfied. Uh, <laughs> but I'm still I'm, – it's okay to be a little ticked off and but proud at the same time. So uh, that's where I'm at right now. Is that a tough conversation for you as a coach to talk to a player and say, look, I know your best position is here, but I need you here at least for a while? Is it tough for you? Certainly it's tough for them to hear that, perhaps, but how do you sell Yeah, that? it is and it isn't. I mean, right now it's just what the team needs, and they're, all of them are team players. You know, we, we say that from day one when we recruit them. Hey, it's, you know, it's, your talents are, are great, but we need you to be a team player, and this is what it could mean. could mean switch the positions. could mean that you know, your role is, is different um, because you can't play all 12 or you know, 16 that end up showing up to play for you. You've got to be able to adjust and – and keep moving forward just based on what you have. So uh, to me, it's not a tough conversation. To them, it might be tough to understand it. And all we can do is just try to explain it as best we can and tell them that's how they're helping the team. So you know, with the transfer portal, you've added you know, a few you know, that way. And you have you know, Jessica Nunji and 
uh, Caleb Burbage this season. What's your overall approach there? Because I know some coach like Wisconsin reloaded entirely with transfers last offseason. How do you maybe view that fit? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's it's good if, if you need it. Um, I'm not going to go out there and say I'm saving three scholarships for the portal, though, every year, or nor am I trying to run players out if I don't think they you know perform well or whatever. There's To me, there's still a loyalty factor in some of this, too, where I recruited you, I committed to you, you committed to us. So my loyalty is with trying to develop them as, as player and people, and if that's still a good fit after the year, whatever year that they finish with us and they feel like that's where they want to be, Great, but some players either, uh, you know, we've we've had some open money because of the the injury stuff. Um, COVID, we're still going to have a couple years where we deal with if players want to come back for a fifth year or not. Other programs are going to have that as well. So I still think you're going to see some interesting movement in the next couple years, and then we'll see where it ends up after that. But we're not opposed to it. But I'm not fully like we're just going to create a whole roster based on a on a transfer portal situation. But we've we've gotten one a year, and those transfers have always been pretty good and. Uh, you know, we're going to continue to look just as everyone else does. It's just a matter if it's a fit or not. Are you able to get out during the season much at all uh, as far as recruiting goes? Yeah, it's, t- it's tough, uh, but we try to when we can. Um, you know, we, if, we're, if we go to a location, let's say we go last week, we played at Ohio State. We didn't recruit out there, but if there was a high school game that we could go see, we would go do that. Uh, there was another time we played. We did play at Wisconsin. There was a big high school tournament in Chicago. We we stopped there before we we went on to Wisconsin. So there's opportunity to go see t- uh, players for sure. Um, but the big the big recruiting time is during our our winter and our and our uh, spring and summer. I guess how do you balance you know recruiting with maybe seeing players in high school versus seeing them in club where you know maybe they'll be playing at a higher level you know, with their club team. Yeah, I think, you know, high school and club, like, if you're not familiar with it, club is usually where we see most of our players. Um, high school, um, it's still very big in Illinois. It's not always big in other states. But I, I think both are, are valuable because, you know, they might be a, a cog in the wheel and they're on their club team, or they might be have to be a leader on their high school team. And we want to see those qual- qualities when they have to step up and be a leader on their high school team. And how do they do if, you know, the high school teammates, you know, not as good – as them or everyone else, how are they going to be a leader to them and be a great teammate? And so that's really important to me too. So sometimes we may not be able to go out and see the, uh, every kid in high school, but we at least talk to the high school coach and see how they do in those scenarios in those situations. So we, we continue to look at both, or if we can't look at both, then we'll, we'll have a phone call or two with, with the people around them. Talking to Chris Thomas for another couple of minutes. Talk about what's ahead. You're not in a league where, okay, here comes the – Right, the, uh, yeah, like I mentioned, it's, uh, yeah, it's number, I don't know, I just rankings just came out, I just glanced it before I came here, but uh, Penn State's in the top 15, they're next, uh, we go Saturday, go to Rutgers at Rutgers, which they tend to play tough at home, uh, we beat them here a few weeks ago, We after that we go play Wisconsin at home, so they're number five right now, I believe, and then we play Minnesota at home, which I believe is number eight, so within the span of two two weeks, we're going to play three top 15 teams in the country, so good for us. <laughs> well, and several of those teams are Final Four caliber yeah, yeah. quality yeah, teams. Yeah, you know, I told I, you know, where we're at sitting midseason, you know, uh, not ideal, but it's also we're still attainable to get to the tournament. And, and I told the team, you know, the committee is always going to look at your last ten, and so we've got three cha- three chances to get three ranked wins in the next two weeks. So we're hopefully going to get a couple of those, and if you can get those, not only just for you know, what it looks like on paper, but to catapult the mentality, that's always what you're going to look for. And obviously you have to continue 
uh, down that road for the next five weeks and finish as strong as you can. Back to your question, Bob, about uh, upgrading facilities. I'm sure that it'd be okay with Coach Thomas if you reached into your pockets and uh, yeah, yeah, there's pony on up. There. There, there's not much there. <laughs> I, I just put two kids, well, one through college and another one going that way. So yeah, I think you have to wait for a couple of years to get it. But maybe right. Lauren. Lauren's got all the money in the world. <laughs> she has a Lauren. Okay. Chris, we appreciate your time. We'll let you get home to your family. And uh, as we mentioned from the uh, beginning, at the beginning of the show, that he stopped right uh, on the way after practice. Always good to visit with you. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Coach. That's Chris Thomas, Illinois Volleyball. We'll take a break here on Monday Night Sports Talk and be back to talk some Illinois football, Illinois basketball, and much more. Stay with us here on DWS. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Hey, Illini family, it's Brett Bielma. Every Fighting Illini football game is right here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM and on the News Gazette app. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're at uh, the Esquire Lounge, 106 North Walnut Street, downtown Champaign, here every Monday. Uh, Next Monday, by the way, is Halloween. Ed Bond's got his costume on a week early, but... uh, I couldn't resist that, sorry. I don't know what to do with it after I said it, but we're okay. Stop by the Esquire for all kinds of lunch specials. When you get right down to it, we all have our costumes on year-round, don't we, Scott? Yeah, I, I just go as a sports writer there in general. It's, it's super easy. You do that very well. Let's talk some uh, Illinois football and Illinois basketball. Let's start with basketball. There's some news out of a... An event over the weekend, a secret scrimmage in, in which all reports indicate that Illinois fared very well against the defending NCAA champion Kansas Jayhawks, but it was not without uh, some concern in the uh, a broken bone in the left foot of Luke Goody, so he'll be out for a couple of months. Yeah, you know, foot issues for guys that spend their entire game running up and down the court are not ideal, but... Uh, Luke's supposed to have surgery this Friday, and then we'll see kind of when he's able to return. Um, I mean, I think he obviously would have been a a factor for this Illinois team. Um, One of their best shooters, if not maybe their best shooter. I mean, there's a couple freshmen, I think, that are good shooters, but they haven't made those shots at the college level yet. Uh, Luke did in limited action last year, so uh, it's going to open up some minutes, I think, Ty Rogers will probably play more. I think, I mean, R.J. Melendez, Terrence Shannon were already going to play a lot. They'll probably pick up, you know, a few extra minutes here and there. But uh, maybe a big opportunity for Ty Rogers, who's going to play, but now he could be a central figure for this team. And I think he was one of those guys that did play well in uh, a scrimmage so secret that both teams released highlight videos afterwards. Um, The whole scenario is sort of ridiculous, but... From all indications, Illinois did play really well against the reigning champs. You know, Terrence Shannon uh, was, I think, you know, a guy that Illinois expects to be maybe their best player this year, and he was uh, on Saturday against Kansas, so that was a good sign. Um, Colbin Hawkins also was going to have to be good this year for Illinois to be good, and he played well. Same with Sky Clark. So I think they're all good signs except for the fact that Luke Goody uh, is out for, I mean, it's an indefinite period of time, but I'd, I'd be surprised if he's back Anytime, like before January. I mean, it just a broken foot is a broken foot, and that, that takes time to heal. Yeah, there's so many bones in the foot. You don't know which one it was, and it doesn't matter to us, but as far as his rehab, 
they'll, they'll work on it accordingly. And so maybe it's one that uh, it'll come around a little sooner. We'll just find out more about that, or the doctors will certainly with the, the surgery on Friday. Yeah, and I mean, maybe Luke just heals up really fast. We don't know. But I mean, a lot of, you know, Brett Bilma's mentioned this, I think every time he talks about Josh McCray, it's his return isn't just when, you know, he's, you know, declared healthy. It's, it's based on how his body reacts to being back, in Josh's case, on the field, you know, taking, you know, getting carries, taking a heavy load, getting tackled. I mean, Luke probably won't be tackled at any point you know, during a basketball game, but it's the same thing. He's gonna, he does a lot of running in basketball, and it's just how his foot responds to that constant you know, strain. I'll give you a good side to this thing. For, or two things, actually. First of all, somebody, as you said, is going to have to step up. Somebody's going to make shots. Maybe they're, that they're not caught on right now. And the other thing is when Luke Goody comes back, it's going to be like that team that gets a really good player that's off, you know, off the side for a part of the season comes back. You get a little boost. And they think there will be – it could be, depending on how they're playing, could be a guy where he comes in and he sparks him a little bit after having a couple of months off here. But eager to be on the court, you know, play, I'm sure, really hard. And, and it could be a good thing for Illinois in a twisted way. And that's, you know, I don't think anybody projected Luke Goody to be a starter. He was going to be in that right. spark kind of range anyway. What did he have last year? 70 points or something? He didn't score a lot last year, but he was a factor, and we know he can shoot. Yeah. I mean, he shot 37% from three, which was you know, down from what he shot in high school, but it's also a more difficult game, especially in the Big Ten. But when you look at the, the Michigan State game, he comes in and makes three threes. Like, if he could – there was a world where that could have been like an every game type of thing for him this season. Comes off the bench, hits a couple threes, you know, plays some defense. You know, he's, you know, Brad Underwood considers him one of the tougher guys on the court. Would go to battle with him in a Pizza Hut parking lot uh, whenever you know, asked. So they're going to miss that uh, until he returns. You mentioned uh, Ty Rogers' name right out of the gate, and he was going to play anyway, I think. But this might be a, an opportunity for him, as you said. But he brings a little something else. Uh, he doesn't shoot as well as Luke Goody, or we don't think he does. Maybe he'll surprise us there. But he's, he might be better defensively. He certainly rebounds better, tougher inside, and, and uh, maybe a better defender. Yeah, and Ty has been Illinois' top rebounder regularly in practice you know, in the last – uh, not quite month, I guess, of you know their official practices. Um, I, but I also think it's telling of the highlight video they put out after the scrimmage against Kansas. I think the last clip was Ty Rogers diving on the floor for a loose ball, and that's um, kind of his thing. Like, he makes those kind of plays. Uh, he's uh, I don't know, like a taller, maybe more offensively minded Demonte Williams. I don't know who they started in that scrimmage, and it doesn't really matter. But they will have to come up with a starting lineup Friday night in an exhibition game against Quincy. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, and, I mean, Brad Underwood would be the first to remind us that it doesn't matter who starts. Um, I mean, it kind of does because, I don't know, guys want to start. Like, they, there's something about being out there in that first five. Um, maybe the last five, you know, could be more important than the guys that close. But, um, I mean, I think there are – a couple, uh, several locks to start. I mean, Sky Clark, Coleman Hawkins, Terrence Shannon, you know, Matthew Meyer. I mean, so they're really looking for a fifth, and I'd say probably it's R.J. Melendez at this point, but you know, Ty Rogers could be that guy as well. Um, but the thing with this Illinois roster is, like, 
they I don't know how deep the rotation will go, but there's so much positional versatility that there's there's options to trot out maybe every different lineup that Brad Underwood has tried in the last month. The secret scrimmage with Kansas, let's make that a real game soon. What do we have to do to get that done? Those two teams should play, not just like once every 10 years or in the NCAA tournament. They should play regularly. I mean, I'm talking four or five times in a decade, every, every time. I why not? Where they play. Why not a home and home? And then they throw in a Chicago and a Kansas City rotation exactly. there, too. Yeah. Play them every year. I might have mentioned the idea to Brad Underwood the last time I talked to him. He was noncommittal, at least in, the, in that moment. But it'd be a. It's like, just so. I told him, it's basically, I just want to go to Allen Fieldhouse to see a game, so could cool. you make that happen for it, me? It's, it's pretty cool. Um, but it's always here, honestly, for him to come back here and coach the game, I think it has to happen before he retires, which is not imminent. But I think for him to come back, I think we'd be surprised by the reception he got. I think it would be pretty positive, is my sense. Well, based, I mean, based on what happened when he came here uh, yeah. for Gordyville. I mean, Bill's here in April and was, was beloved. Feeded. And I think people look back. He's going to grow, I think, mostly for people in a positive way because what he left here. I'm guessing that uh, secret uh, scrimmage was born in Gordyville. I imagine it was. Yeah. Now, there will be a former Illinois coach that does return to Champaign you know, this season. He'll right. be on the call on BTN. So uh, I'm sure and all my fans will be thrilled to see Bruce Weber for the Kansas City game. And that will be okay. I think, again, people will like to see that, I think. Some. Well, people that aren't happy to see him are wrong about that. They're wrong. I agree with you, Bob. Guy took him into title game. I mean, what do you want? Right. So if you're if you're about to Bruce Weber, you got a problem. He's going to do a, a lot of work for BTN. Not many games in arenas. That may be his only one he's got scheduled right now that he'll be here. But he's going to do a lot of studio work. So it'll be interesting to keep track of uh, Bruce Weber and how he does on that. I'm told he's living in St. Louis now, so he'll be making that commute up to Chicago uh, quite a bit uh, during some snowy nights, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe staying some overnights in Chicago. Anything else on basketball? They, you know, they had the secret scrimmage. They've got the exhibition game, and then they got to wait another almost two weeks for the start of the season. Well, I got the November seventh opener against Eastern. That'll be here sooner than you than you think. Um, sooner than I think. It's going to be the crossover with basketball and football is coming. But uh, I will be waiting for that November seventh game because it'll be the first time I think that I'll get a chance to see the team because I'll be headed to Nebraska this weekend for football. So there are going to be a lot of fans that see this team before I do. And that Nebraska game is 2.30 on Saturday afternoon from Memorial Stadium in Lincoln. Right now, Illinois is a seven-point favorite going into that ballgame. We'll talk more football coming up, including uh, one of the Illinois football players being named a semifinalist for a national award. We'll touch on that and much more. Chase Brown still leads the nation in rushing, despite not gaining a yard last week. But uh, he is still the number one rusher in the country. All that and more coming up when we continue here at the Esquire in downtown Champaign on DWS. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Hi, this is Colin Likas. Join us Wednesday for the Serve Pro Prep Football Confidential Show, powered by the U of I Army ROTC, live at 6 p.m. on our sister station, Light Rock 97.5. Back at the Esquire here until 6 o'clock. If you'd like to join us, 217-356-9397 is the phone number if you're 
on your way home or at home. If you're here, the Esquire, if you have any questions, just raise your hand. Check out some of their specials uh, for daily specials, upcoming events. Check them out, uh, the Esquire Lounge on Facebook. Illinois at Nebraska, coming up at 2.30 on Saturday afternoon. Illinois 3-1 and one in the Big Ten and control of their own, in control of their own destiny, certainly, coming off that bye week. Bob, another sellout crowd in Lincoln. Correct. That's right. Which is about... 600, whatever it is, 300 and some streets. I'm 61. I just turned 61. I think every game during my lifetime has been a sellout. There. Right. So that's pretty amazing. And yeah. I think this year, pretty good testament to the fan base there that they show up, despite the fact that the team has been pretty shaky and really bad for the last five years. Uh, there, I keep hearing this from, like, Lauren and everybody else. There's nothing to do there. That's not exactly right. There's not much to do there, but there's not. There is things to do there, but that has become the event. There's other events there, but it's it's a it's a. If you haven't been there, it's one of those. I would say when the top, it's one of those ten places in the college football you should go. Go to Columbus for a game. Go to Michigan for a game. I think in the Big Ten, that's the number three to me. You might be able to debate whether or not Nebraska belongs in the Big Ten, but their football stadium does. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and, the, and their tradition yeah. does. They've gotten five national t- titles. Unfortunately for them, none in the last 25 years. So it's been a long, dry spell. But they still, the people there still believe they're going to be good again. Well, and they're three and four. And three and four. Two and two in the season. That's only in the Big Ten. That's only a game behind Illinois, so they've still got some things to play for. They're dangerous. They are especially at home. I know Illinois. Illinois beat them, I think, two years ago in twenty, and there was no fans in the stands. Correct. So that place, that team, number one, is a lot different with that crowd there. So the crowd doesn't play, the fans don't play, but they can help a team, especially a team like that that's pretty shaky in terms of confidence. They can make them better. So it's a dangerous game for Illinois. I think Illinois will win, but I think it's a, it could be a close game. It could be a dangerous game for Illinois. I get that. I get the, the stadium. I get the crowd. But they won at Wisconsin. Right. They won at Penn State last year. That's a good point. Two of the tougher places to play. I, so, I agree. Uh, you know, the, and the people that did play in uh, that game in Lincoln a couple of, in 2020, they played in all kinds of uh, empty stadiums well, that year. Yeah, and the Wisconsin team this year is better than the basket team this year. Right. So that that part, you're definitely uh, and Penn State last year again better than this current the basket team. So, well, the, but they, they, I think that game would be. Here's how Illinois can lose this game: they turn the ball over a lot. They're not careful. They throw a couple picks or have a couple fumbles, and they are, they get burned on special teams in time too. That's the only way they get beat. If they play a straight up game. Don't make a lot of mistakes. They will win the game by a couple of scores. It's pretty hard to nitpick this Illinois team so far, but when you dive into the stats, they're leading the country in several defensive stats, uh, one of which is not red zone scoring on on offense, and that's something where they uh, could use some improvement getting into the end zone. Yeah, and you'll be able to read all about that in Tuesday's News Gazette. little teaser there. You're, but- you're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but Illinois' red zone offense is ranked 96th in the country in terms of you know, how often they convert those opportunities into, into scores. That bad. Well, there's 130 FBS teams. So, bad. so 96 okay. is uh, worse than the midway point. It, let's say it, they, it cost them a game against the Hoosiers, right? Don't they win sure. that game? Well, they... that was more, I think, turnovers. But Yeah, okay. 
and also the Brian Hightower touchdown that wasn't a touchdown, but w- but was a touchdown. Good point. Uh, but it's, I mean, they've you know ridden Fabrizio Pinto in the last two weeks. He has seven field goals, you know, in the wins against Iowa and Minnesota, um, which you know get points where you can. But eventually, all those field goals and not enough touchdowns will cost them a game right. against a better team. Is Nebraska that team? Eh, probably not. No, but, but the team at, maybe uh, the team after that team after that. Yeah, there, there's games still to come where they have to find a way to score touchdowns and you know this. Uh, by week or open week or however you want to call it, Bob, uh, was an opportunity. Barry Lunny said he kind of went through everything that's happened to the, you know, this point this season. Really looking at you know, all of their red zone opportunities. It's been an emphasis. It was an emphasis at the end of last week as I started preparing for Nebraska. It'll be the same this week, and we'll see if that makes a difference. I but, think the, oh, I was going to say, Steve. I think these coaches are really good about figuring out what's wrong and fixing it pretty quickly. I think they've found a lot of answers. So I think that off-week, off open-week, whatever, is really – Scott's right. It was a good thing for them. They really needed it, besides the healing up part of it. Just as a comparison, red zone stats between these two teams. As Scott mentioned, Illinois been in the red zone 33 times, 13 field goals, 13 touchdowns. Nebraska in the red zone 22 times, 17 of which were TDs. So they're getting the ball in the, for the for the six-point scores and eventually seven-point scores there. Of course, they need to because their defense is horrible. Defense is last in so the Big Ten in just about every category. Right. And Illinois has the best defense right. in the Big Ten. So they, they've been able to live by the field goal, but uh, you can also die by the field goal. See, I just I changed a basketball aphorism there that, that's still applicable when three points are on the line. Some news earlier in the day, Devin Witherspoon – named one of 12 semifinalists for the Jim Thorpe Award. Three other, or rather two other guys in the Big Ten on that uh, 12-man uh, watch list, if you will. I guess you, you come off the watch list onto the semifinal list. So that's a, kind of a step up, but certainly good recognition for uh, a position that uh, Illinois is really strong in, in the uh, defensive secondary. Yeah, and you know, Devin has... Uh, his big stat, he's got 11 pass breakups this season. That ranks second nationally. And you look at his stats, he's like, he has 20 tackles. It's like, okay, that's not that many. But, like, teams have started throwing to the other side of the field. Right. Because um, where he leads the country, uh, at least this was the case, I think, going into the Minnesota game, Elmo was 1-2 and two with Devin Witherspoon and Quan Martin in terms of incompletions force. And that's between pass breakups or just – you know, bad throws it, you know, because the the receivers you know covered, but you know, he's uh, kind of blanketed that that side of the field, and um, I think it's a well-deserved semifinals honor. We'll see if he can, you know, push through, you know, to the end. The other award's been given out since 1986, and only five Big, big Ten players have won it, and that included a streak in the late 90s where Big Ten won it four years in a row. And I don't think Illinois had a semifinalist, have they? Or have they had one? I don't think so. Not that I remember. I'm not a, that's one of the rare awards that don't fall for. I think that's more of a committee thing. It's not a bunch of sports writers. So I, I don't vote for that, but I, I think getting in that final 12 is a really big deal for Devin. If you had to turn in your mid-season Heisman vote, well, who, who would it be? Well, oh, it's the Ohio State quarterback. He'd be spot one, two, and three. He's so good. He's, he's lapped the field. I just looked at a list today of – Odds, Vegas odds. He's five to one. Next closest guy is 40 to, forty to one. 
So that's that tells you Vegas thinks the guy's already won the thing. If he, play, if he plays like he has to this point the rest of the year, he's going to win the award when, in the landslide, and he's going to have a chance. To, and he's going to be a high pick probably first or second next year in the draft. So he's going to win the award, I think, if I had to guess right now. But you, there's still time. Things happen. Ohio State loses a game or two, three. Then somebody else can get in there. Chase Brown could jump in there. I, right, I, right now I'd have him third. So crazy as that sounds. They could lose the game, but have they scored under 45 points yet in the Big Ten? I don't think so. No, they're not. They're probably not going to lose till they play the title game against, against probably against Georgia. And then we'll see. Yeah, and I think Ryan Day is going for style points now. Oh, yeah. If you look at their non-conference schedule, they thought they had a good win against what was then a, a number five Notre Dame team. Turns out Notre Dame's not very good. Right. So they need to beat teams by a bunch of points because that'll – that will help their college football playoff chances. Nebraska being coached at the moment by Mickey Joseph. Right. He's the interim coach, former Nebraska f- player. Good they, quarterback there. They're 2-2 two and two since he took over. Right. They were 1-3 and three when he took over on the season after uh, the start of Scott Frost. Does he have a shot at getting this job? Oh, yeah. Definitely. He has a shot. I don't think he's, I don't think he's a lock. By he's not the leader in the clubhouse. No, I don't huh? think so, but I think he has a chance. They get to a bowl or maybe a little bit better than that, maybe a 7-5 season, he's got a chance. So this game is critical for them, and this game is critical for him. They are better since he took for it. There's no question about that. Offensively, they're more – they have a better idea what they're doing. Defensively, they're a little bit better. He made a change there right away. That was good. They're just they a, bit, a little bit snake bit because the Purdue game, they could have won pretty easily, actually. They just kind of gave that game away. But I think they're – he has a chance. I, I wouldn't be stunned if he's the head coach. But I also think their AD, Trevor Alberts, has some ideas about it, what, he, what he wants to do. And so he may just go off whatever. He's just going to do what he has to do. Because he wants that more than anybody. Like Josh Whitman here. Josh Whitman wanted Illinois, wants Illinois football to be great. I think Trevor Alberts at Nebraska wants Nebraska football to be great, but like it was when he was there. One of your favorite guys, and, and this happens a lot when – Coaching opportunities open up. Uh, people start speculating on right. who, who might uh, be interested in that. And I heard the name P.J. Fleck. Okay. Yeah. That, I, I would don't you think... leave Minnesota to go to Nebraska? Well, and yes. I, I can see why you, oh, would. you would. You would, but I don't, I don't think Nebraska probably should not look that direction. I would agree. I would say that's probably not the guy. That kind of stuff, the way he is uh, personality-wise, which we heard from Coach Bielema a couple weeks ago, he kept saying, we're not the same kind of person. So I think he, I think Brett Balaam, I'm not saying he would do this, but he would be better fit Lincoln than P.J. Fleck. But I don't think that would help him either because I think Coach Balaam is here. He's not going anywhere because these the people here embraced him, brought him back, said, hey, here's a Big Ten team. Go to town. He's done it. So I don't think he's living for that school than any other school. But I do think Fleck would be a bad call by Nebraska. Well, well Bob, uh, as the Nebraska native, are there – Enough rivers and or lakes where uh, the the row the boat uh, motto could transfer oh, yeah. to Nebraska. Well, Missouri is re- flows by oh, by Omaha. Then there so. you go. The, so you the could, canoe you, motif. You could do that, but I don't think that's a good fit for them. So, Bob, you had Illinois what sixteenth? Sixteen. So and they I, ended I, up seventeenth. They if Syracuse had um, Syracuse, I had them behind Illinois. Most people had them in front of Illinois, but I thought that was fair. A couple of the games went. Went the way, not for Illinois' sake, but I think uh, 
especially Mississippi. They stayed in front of Illinois. I think Illinois is going to move up. If they win Saturday, I checked it out quickly. I think they'll move up three or four spots based on what's going to happen. a couple of minutes left. Let's go hypothetical. If Illinois had beaten Indiana and is 7-0 and right now, right. where would you have them? Oh, in the top ten, probably, or okay. very close. They would be undefeated. Right. How many one-loss teams would be ranked ahead of them? One or two. And I haven't looked certainly at Certainly Alabama all. would be one. Well, certainly, they'd yeah. be one. One or two, but not, not many. Um, but they would be, they'd be in the hunt. And, frankly, I think I said this the other day, if they went out, which would mean against, went against Michigan and went against Michigan State, Ohio State, in the Big Ten, a Big Big Ten title game, I don't think they're completely out of the playoff, which is, seems insane to me. I'm not saying for, for a second this is going to happen, but if it did happen, I think they might be in the playoff, which is just, uh, I, I just it's obscene to say it, but it's, it's true. So, What do you think, Scott? Hey, if they went out, sure, there's Pretty, a chance. If they're, if they're 12 and 1. Although, I mean, there's. You got Greg Sankey trying to put three SEC teams I know that. in the playoffs. So yeah, he's. He crazy. will be picketing you know, outside of the committee's oh. hotel and, and at the. Well, the Dallas Fort Worth Hilton. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, maybe. I think. Because I, I look, look at. Wins it. against Michigan and Ohio State. Again, if this happens, I mean, that's two wins against top five teams. Right. At the end of the season when you're supposed to be playing your best football. Uh, sure. I, I, the, no, Although no one's going to beat Ohio State would be my. Well, that's my, that's my, that's my theory my generally, too. But if they were to do that. You're listening to Sports they, Talk. They've been great, too. Got a couple of minutes left, I think. High school football playoff start, uh, and I counted what maybe fifteen area teams uh, still in the running, and a few of them play each other. So it'll be, it'll be fun to keep track of all that. Yeah, and Muhammad Seymour has been our top-ranked team uh, all year. You know, got the, an A number one seed in Class Five A playoffs. Looks like at a decent path. Uh, Kankakee will be looming, sort of at the bottom of the South bracket there, but. Uh, Bulldogs have a chance. That's going to take care of this edition of Monday Night Sports Talk, hour number two Thanks, at guys. the Esquire. We appreciate you coming out. We'll talk to you again next week right here on WDWS Champaign-Urbana.